The Joy FM Sports presents The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Welcome to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. Thank you for joining us again this week as we bring another exciting episode to you. If you're on the road during this holiday season, be mindful of other drivers, be safe, stay away from distracted driving, and get to your destination all in one piece. (laughs) So uh, we all know what's going on this week with college football. The playoff starts on Saturday, December 28th. We have an exciting matchup with Oklahoma, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State. But we're going to start the show talking about Oklahoma and LSU. I spoke with Matt Johnson, the Joy FM Sports Director. He's been on my show before. Here's what he had to say about the upcoming Peach Bowl. Matt, thank you for joining me on The Sweet Spot. I'm glad to have you on the show, man. Oh, Thanks, Corey. Good to be here. So your Sooners received the help that they needed to get into the college football playoff. Oregon beat Utah. Auburn beat Alabama, but your Sooners also had to help themselves while beating Baylor. Describe your emotions that went into that Big 12 championship game that went into overtime. Uh, well, I was, I was. It's definitely a roller coaster game. You know, they jumped out to a ten nothing lead, and then my boy Jalen did it again and wanted to make sure it was dramatic, so he <laughs> let him back in the game with a couple of turnovers. And um, and Baylor's a good team. I tell you what was really frustrating for me sitting there watching that game, was they were rushing Jalen with three guys, and they were still getting to him and putting pressure on him. And that was so aggravating. I'm like, how can you not block anybody, you know? (laughs) So um, glad they got the win. You know, they it's just funny that they've been playing like that a lot this year where they've just had games that kind of go down the wire. Um, And, you know, they came from 25 down against Baylor on the road earlier in the season you know, to beat them and to be able just to hold on. It was good. I mean, I'm glad they did it. Um, but yeah, you're right. The kind of the stars kind of aligned there, you know, for, for them to get into uh, the number four spot with uh, the, the key teams losing that needed to lose. So Lincoln Raleigh is only 36 years old. He has 36 wins in his three seasons as head coach for the Sooners. And each season they've been into the college football playoff. Where do you rank him amongst the nation's best coaches? Well, I think he's up there. I think he's not. He's he's gonna have. He's got to win a playoff game in in, in order for him, I think, to be in into the elite area. Um, you know, some of it is at first you 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 think they always still got Bob Stoops' team, but he's recruiting players um, that are five star players that Bob Stoops never did. Uh, he never really got a lot of those. He really got. Um, it was always kind of frustrating. You looked at all the, all those, those rankings of, of recruits and you're seeing the Alabamas and the Ohio States and the USC is getting all the five star players. And you look at Oklahoma and you're like, well, where are their five star players? Surely they've got some. And, you know, they don't really ever get them. And then all of a sudden we can start, you know, really bringing those guys in. So, I mean, I think he's got to be up there, but I think he's got to prove himself in, in the playoff situation and get a win and even really needs to get a national championship. But um, I'll take a win in the playoff first, you know, (laughs) take the first step there. But I, you know, I know a lot of teams, uh, especially NFL teams want him and um, hopefully he'll stick around long enough to be able to get that win 
and uh, hopefully that national championship. I don't think it's too far away. I really think this next group that's coming up, Spencer Rattler, that he got last year, I'm excited to see that kid play. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and so I think if they can continue to improve the defense, like they've started to show signs of, and doing that, especially even with recruiting, um, I think they're going to be they're going to be good for for several years. Now, this marks the fourth straight year that Oklahoma will play an SEC team in a bowl game. They beat Auburn, lost to Georgia, lost to Alabama. Now they have LSU. How much more enjoyable is it beating a team from the SEC as opposed to a team from another conference? Uh, it's really awesome. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, I used to be back back a long time ago when I was a kid. I used to be a big Dallas Cowboy fan before um, Tom Landry left. And uh, I used to hate the Redskins. Man, so anytime the Cowboys could beat the Redskins, uh, it was it was sweet, you know. And and so it's kind of like you know I look at it as you know I love Oklahoma beating Texas, you know every year that they can do that. And last year um, getting to do that in the Big Twelve Championship game was really cool. So, but anytime you bring in the SEC in, it's always a lot of fun. I mean, it's just especially living in Alabama, and it's I mean you're in the heart of SEC country here. Um, it's it's always fun to to watch people try to justify um, how they've lost. And, of course, if they win, it's always, well, they just don't have a defense. They just play in the Big 12. You know? <laughs> so, but, I mean, if you look at – I saw a stat the other day that looked at um, winning percentages of SEC teams versus Big 12, and the percentage points were only like three or four points away. I mean, they were – those were the top two leagues in, in winning college football games. Um, and, you know, after, after the regular season. So you just like, you know, I think they're, um, I think what's going to be interesting to see is how these teams in the, in the Big 12 perform in the bowl games. Because we've heard, you know, when you look at the way Oklahoma has won games, they've not really won games, you know, like you'd like, you'd like, at least I would hope they would. They would do like speaking like an Alabama fan if they, you know they want to win by sixty points plus, you know, on every game. And Oklahoma hasn't done that this year. They have not. They have not um, had those games where they just kind of blew everybody out of the water in the second by the second quarter. Um, they were playing it all the way through, and so it'll be interesting to see if that is that translates to bowl games or if Oklahoma is just playing more to their opponent. And I, it's kind of hard to know that until you really get into those bowl games. Now, speaking of this bowl game, your Sooners are taking on the number one LSU Tigers December 28th in the Peach Bowl. Give me your thoughts going into that game. Well, I'm going to have Peach Cobbler for Christmas dinner. <laughs> so that's going to get me started. Um, I, you know, I think um, – I think it'll be a tough game for Oklahoma. I think LSU looks like they're just really the kind of the the most complete team. Um, I, I think there's, I think it's a 12 and a half point favorite. I think is what the last thing I saw was. So that's even kind of gotten bigger since they initially announced the the game. But I, I think Oklahoma, I think it all starts with Jalen. I think he's got to play a perfect game. He cannot play like he's been playing, especially the last part of the season where he has turned the ball over. Um, he's got to secure the ball. I will say that I saw him 
when he was running the ball, especially when he looks like he, he knew he was going to get hit, he was wrapping the ball up with both hands. So I was like, okay, finally, maybe you're, you know, starting to, to do that. The one fumble he had against Baylor, he got hit in the, from behind. You know, again, he goes back to that blocking. But I think if they can, if, if they can give Jalen time to sit in the pocket and go through his progressions, and if that means that he doesn't have anybody open, he runs the ball and um, doesn't turn the ball over. I like Oklahoma's chances of actually getting into a shootout with with uh, LSU. Um, I think the best defense thing that they can do for Oklahoma is that they can keep the ball and win the time of possession. Mm. If they can keep Joe Burrow off the field, um, I think that's going to be huge because in that that lets that defense rest for Oklahoma, and they've shown where they can really spend a lot of energy on three downs and get you and really put pressure on the quarterback to the point where all of a sudden they're ready to punt again. And if they can, if they can do that and give Jalen time and they can control the, the time of possession, they may have a shot. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. So um, it, it'll be something to watch. I think if Oklahoma can move the ball, consistently move the ball, and especially on the ground, um, and then set up the play action to CD Lamb. Uh, I like I like that matchup. I really do. Now, what's your final prediction for the score in the game? Oh, you want me to yeah. score it? Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be forty-five to thirty-four LSU. I think that's the same exact score as last year. Alabama's win over Oklahoma. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was forty-five thirty-four. You had to uh, bring that up, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. Well, man, I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, like I said, good luck to your Sooners, and we appreciate you swinging by the sweet spot to share your thoughts on your team, and we'll see what happens December 28th. Sounds good. Thanks, Corey. So that was Matt Johnson, the sports director here for the Joy FM Sports. Now you're about to hear from Matthew Johnson. Now, it's the same name, but it's two totally different people. I promise you I'm not pulling your leg here. Matthew Johnson is a native of Covington, Louisiana. He recently moved to Dothan, Alabama eight months ago. His girlfriend, Lindsay, followed suit after her graduation, so she's here with him as well. Matthew Johnson is going to share his take on the upcoming Peach Bowl for his LSU Tigers as they take on the Oklahoma Sooners. Matthew, thank you for joining us here on The Sweet Spot, man. I'm glad to have you on the show. It's good to be here. So, Matthew, tell me, man, describe your emotions uh, on this outstanding season that LSU is having so far. It's uh, It's been absolutely incredible, I have to say, because, uh, you know, we're, we're always known for our defense, but we get a quarterback this year. And man, we just, we've been lights out, um, killing every team we've, we've, we've come against. So it's been, it's been pretty incredible for me and LSU fans. Joe Burrow has kind of been the new sensation this year. What's the difference between last year's Joe Burrow and this year's Heisman Trophy winning Joe Burrow? Um, I'd have to say the style of offense. And, uh, we, we recently added Joe Brady, who he came from the Saints and he, he, did the offense there, came to LSU, and he's implemented that that offense. And so I think he's really excelled by uh, them trusting him and just doing what he doing what he does best and just throwing the ball. Now, what is it about Joe Brady's uh, – what has he implemented this year that's different from LSU teams we've seen in the past? 
I think it's uh, more of a, like a pro-style offense, you know, just throw first instead of run because before LSU was run, run, third down long, you know, you have to pass. So the, this time pass first and then mix it up with the run game. Like you said, LSU, we've always known them as a, a run-first team in years past. This is a brand-new LSU we're not used to seeing, man. We're not used to seeing, uh, you know, Burrow put up, what is it, 48 touchdowns, man, and through the air. Uh, but we've always known that when LSU had a quarterback, then the offense is explosive, you know, because they will run the ball. And then when you have guys like Jamar Chase and uh, Justin Jefferson, I mean – like it's like the sky's the limit. What's been your favorite? Who's your favorite player on this year's team, man? Do you have a favorite, or is he kind of just like everybody in whole? Or yeah, so so I'd have to say my favorite player is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, because I mean he he does it all, and he's been quiet, and then he's just then you hand the ball to him, and he's explosive. I mean he's he doesn't have the 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 runaway speed, but he's just he's just smart, and he does his job, and that's really all you can ask for. All right, so now we're going to dive into some of the coaching aspect. Um, we spoke on Joe Brady, but tell me, were you always on board with Ed Orgeron as a head coach? And if uh, when or when that when was that moment where you realized, like, okay, we have something special on going on this year with Ed Orgeron as our coach? So from the beginning, uh, I've been a fan, and I know I I watched him at USC, and he he always got the most out of his players. So when he came in. Um, you know, I really hope for the best for him. Did I think he could do it? Yes, but it, it would have been tough. And he got, I always said, you know, he's got to surround himself with the right coaches. And I think he has done that. Um, and he's got, and he's also gotten the best out of all of his players. So I think he's doing really well. And I, I want to continue for him to do well at LSU. Now, it's, it's been great. Everything's been perfect this season, but I got to take you back to that uh, LSU defeat at the hands of Troy, man. What was it like when, oh. when Troy got you guys, man? What was what was that like as an, as a fan of the team? Dude. Um I I I I think I left the game early. I was like, oh, I'm not dealing with this and I I I, I just forgot about that game to be honest with you. That was <laughs> that, that was terrible. It's like wow, this is this is awful. Man, uh I can imagine. Like I, you know, went to Auburn and Man, I was there when South Florida beat us in mm-hmm. Auburn in overtime back in 2007. And, um, man, they beat us in overtime. When they scored a game with a touchdown, we literally sat there, me and my friend Jake, sat there for another 20 minutes just in awe and shock. Like, we just lost to the Bulls of South Florida. Now, that team <laughs> ended up being pretty good. They ended up getting as high as number two that year in the country. Mm-hmm. But still, that was a heartbreaker to, to witness it and be there in person. Uh, you know, with a loss like that. But your yeah. Tigers have a big game coming up December 28th. Take on the Oklahoma Sooners, number four team in the country, the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, man. What's your thoughts going into that game? So um, I think I, I think we're going to do really well. I'm pretty, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to win. But the only thing they, – because they don't have a defense. I mean – but the only thing I, I, I'm a little cautious about is uh, Jalen Hurts because, you know, he went, he played at Alabama. He's mm-hmm. been in the big game. He can perform. So I, I think how well they do is based on how well he plays. And so if we can stop him, that'd be that'd be awesome. So what's your prediction for the game? Give me a score. I, I, it's going to be – I think it's going to be high scoring. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm doing like 
45 to 22 or 24, somewhere around there. All right. So that you was, think the t- Tigers will pull away and win by three touchdowns? Huh? That, that, that offense, man, the offense is too explosive. Like you said, um, defense can get, can get a couple stops. You know, I don't think they're going to stop Burrow. Georgia couldn't. Bama couldn't. Auburn couldn't. Texas couldn't. I mean, list goes on. So. All right, so you've heard it here first from Matthew Johnson, LSU fan, native of Louisiana. Matthew, I appreciate you swinging by the sweet spot, man. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on the show, and good luck to your Tigers. Thank you, man. Go Tigers. So we have Oklahoma, LSU in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, December 28th, 4 o'clock Eastern time, 3 o'clock Central time. This is going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. You heard Matt Johnson, the Joy FM Sports Director, speak on how he believed it was going to be a lot of points in this game. And I'm, I'm believing the same thing as well. These are two dynamic offenses, as we know. LSU is led by Joe Burrow, Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback. Oklahoma is led by Jalen Hurts, who finished second in that Heisman Trophy voting. Now, this is going to be a game where it's going to be a lot of touchdowns. I don't think either defense will be able to contain the opposing offense. So we know Jalen Hurts, what he did to Alabama. He's played at LSU, plays against LSU before. They have a dynamic offense with C.D. Lamb kind of leading the charge. And, you know, Oklahoma always seems to have very good receivers, whether it's Kenny Steele or uh, – Kenny Stills, I should say, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who was a first-round pick for the Ravens uh, last year. I mean, they just, they're just they always putting out great receiving talent, no matter uh, who comes through Norman. Now, LSU, they have Joe Burrow, and they have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. And, you know, Joe Burrow set an SEC record for eight, 48 touchdowns through the air, a new SEC record. He also threw for over 4,700 passing yards, which is also a new SEC record. And, you know, this guy's had his breakout year. This has been his year from start to finish. We'll see if he can cap it off with a win over Oklahoma, maybe a national championship as well. Now, when it comes to my prediction for the game, like I said, it's going to be a lot of a lot of points scored. But I just feel like it's LSU. This is they've been that team all season long. They beat Texas, they beat Florida, they beat Auburn, they beat Alabama, they beat Georgia, thirty-seven to ten in the SEC championship game. Like this is this team is is a whole other level. They're clicking on all cylinders. This is a new LSU team that we're not used to seeing uh, the points that they put up through the air. We've always known them as a running team and as a, a defensive team. You heard Matthew Johnson, who's from Covington, Louisiana, mention how they've always been a running team. Well, Joe Brady, as he mentioned in his interview as well, has been a huge part of implementing this new down-the-field passing strategy and trying to stretch defenses uh, down the field, as I mentioned, and especially with those receivers that they have. And like I said, Joe Burrow, who not only can make plays with his arm, but he makes plays with his feet as well. And if you hit him pretty good, he gets back up. And I remember in the Alabama game, he took a lick and just kept on ticking and got up yelling like that hit got him going and just, you know, fueled his fire. So I'm predicting LSU to win this game. I got them winning 41 to 27. I think it'll I think they'll probably control most of the game, but I think the Tigers will come out on top just because I think it's their year. It's their year, at least in this game, like I said, at least for another game, December 28th in the Peach Bowl against Oklahoma Sooners. Now, when we return, we're going to talk about the Fiesta Bowl, Clemson and Ohio State. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Joy FM Sports. It's more 
Then again. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. As we just finished discussing the Peach Bowl between Oklahoma and LSU, now it's time to talk about a game that I think has a little more interest because Clemson and Ohio State are very evenly evenly matched, they appear to be. So I think this is a game where you could flip a coin toss and say, this team's going to win. Uh, tomorrow, that team's going to win. Like It's kind of that that matchup because these two teams met a couple years ago in the 2017 Bowl, which was the Fiesta Bowl as well, where the Buckeyes were shut out 31-0. So you know Ohio State, they're eager to redeem themselves from that defeat a couple years ago. This is their first trip to the playoffs since that Fiesta Bowl loss to Clemson. And the Clemson Tigers have been in the playoff five of the last six years. So they're used to being in this situation, vying for another championship as they are the defending champions, as we know they beat Alabama last year, 44-16. to I spoke with former sports anchor and reporter who's also a native of Liberty Township, Ohio, which is just north of Cincinnati, Nick Banizak. Nick, he and his wife, Leilani, currently resides in Atlanta, and this is what he had to say about his Buckeyes matchup against the Clemson Tigers. Nick, thank you for joining me on The Sweet Spot, man. I'm glad to have you on the show. Hey, great to be here, Corey. Appreciate the opportunity. Talk about Ryan Day, the job that he's done succeeding Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Well, hey, I think Ryan Day had a phenomenal season. Um, obviously the bar was extremely high. I mean, you think about replacing a guy like Urban Meyer, you can make a case he's a, a, a top 10 for sure, possibly a top five coach of all time. And, uh, you know, just looking at all the accolades he had accomplished at Ohio State, not just the national championship, but multiple Big Ten championships. I mean, 7-0 and against Michigan, which, you know, makes him an automatic legend in Columbus if he could do anything else. Um, so I think there were just a lot of high expectations considering just, you know, the high percentage of wins Ohio State's been able to accumulate over the last decade. Um, you know, certainly we had a little glimpse last year when uh, he uh, took over on an interim position for those three games where, uh, you know, the Buckeyes went 3-0. and But really, to be honest, Corey, I, I don't think anybody uh, in the wildest imagination thought that the Buckeyes were going to, roll through the season undefeated and win the Big Ten. I mean, I think a lot of folks this year were thinking this may be kind of a kind of a reset, uh, maybe just a, a slight step back. I think there were a lot of folks maybe looking forward to 2020. And if you remember, it seems like so long ago now, back in August, but uh, most of the folks had picked Michigan to win the Big Ten East. Uh, I mean, the Buckeyes were predicted the second, maybe even third in some spots. Uh, so you really got to credit Coach Day for just, uh, the incredible culture he's built this year. Uh, I mean, certainly he's carried over a lot of things from the Urban Meyer regime just in terms of game preparation and philosophy. But I think he really has been able to put his own unique stamp on the program this year. And uh, really, especially when you consider the last three-game stretch there they had to close the regular season, you think about that. Penn State, Michigan, and then Wisconsin, all those teams in the top 15 – I think he, he really put his own unique stamp right there by going through that stretch unbeaten and, and winning the Big Ten championship. I think this truly now is Ryan Day's team. 
And uh, I think uh, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But uh, without question, a great success here in year one. Yeah, I agree. Rondé has done a phenomenal job uh, as head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. It's been impressive, like you said, the string of games that they've uh, won and played against, like you said, Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin, beating them twice. And we all know how tough it is to beat a team twice in one season. And, you know, yeah. Ohio State seems to just – they're rolling on a whole other level, man. But now there's three quarterbacks in the college football playoff that they're transfer quarterbacks. So describe how you felt once you received news that Justin Fields would become a Buckeye. Well, I think, I mean, obviously any any, any Buckeye fan was ecstatic. I mean, everybody knew about uh, Justin Fields' pedigree. I mean, one of the highest uh, rated quarterback recruits, not just of his class, but of the last decade. Of course, he and Trevor Lawrence both in that same class. Funny, you know, they both grew up just a few miles down the road from each other there in the metro Atlanta area. Um, so I think he had, he was certainly well known. Um, of course, there was a lot of questions because simply he just didn't get to play a whole lot uh, there for his one season at Georgia. So uh, even though a lot of people understood the potential and the talent that Justin Fields possessed, I think it was still very much a question mark about um, how quickly he could uh, kind of take the ball and run with it, so to speak. And there's always that transition of learning a new playbook. Of course, that's just one part of it. But also really just incorporating yourself into the culture of the team and uh, being able to really establish yourself as the leader as well, which is really important at that quarterback position. And, you know, I think Justin Fields passed all those tests with flying colors. I mean, really, you think about how far he's come in, in really 10 months since arriving on Columbus. You know, there were a few stories out there earlier in the fall. Uh, within the first week or so, he had a, you know, some homesickness, had really thought about returning back home to Georgia. Uh, but a credit to him, he was able to, you know, stick with it and really um, put himself out there for a new challenge. And I think everything that's happened since uh, – just you think about his stats. I mean, it's amazing. Forty touchdowns and one interception. I mean, that's just incredible to think about some of those statistics he's racked up this year. I think you can certainly credit Ryan Day again, just because of his own experience as a former quarterback and being able you know, to really coach up a lot of uh, quarterbacks. That uh, Justin Fields really, I think, kind of uh, thrives under his guidance and his leadership. Um, but without question, uh, he has become. Uh, I don't think you could have done it any better in his, in his first year there with Ohio State. Exciting to see what he'll do in the playoff here. And uh, good to know we'll have him for at least one more season. Hard to know <laughs> if he'll stay beyond that, just considering how much his draft stock has risen. But uh, absolutely one of the cornerstone, cornerstones of this Ohio State team. Now, Nick, you spoke on Justin Fields. You know, he has 40 touchdowns, one interception. Uh, one of my previous shows uh, leading up to the Heisman Trophy ceremony, I spoke on I said those were video game numbers, but then I thought about it and yep. my experience playing video games, like those aren't even video games. So you can't even do that on a video game to have 40 <laughs> touchdowns and only one interception. Of course, he had two right. rushing touchdowns as well. So that's a total of 50 yep. touchdowns this year. So Fields had 40 passing touchdowns this year. Last year, Dwayne Haskins had 50 passing touchdowns. What's going on in Columbus in this in the air, man? What's what's this all about with this explosion? We've always known they have to have a good running game, but uh, what's what's taking place in Columbus now, man? Yeah, again, no, I think you got again, you got to give Coach Day a lot of credit. I mean, I, I think uh, he's uh, 
just his ability to coach up that quarterback position. You think about what he did with Dwayne Haskins. I mean, Dwayne Haskins before last season had never started. He had come in in some mop-up duty uh, the year prior in 2017, of course, when he was the backup uh, to JT Barrett. Of course, there was no one on that team. His name was Joe Burrow. Hard to, <laughs> hard to imagine the, the talent in that quarterback room. But um, And again, just a credit, though, to, to Coach Day, I mean, you think about Dwayne Haskins last year, really just one season as a starter, what he was able to accomplish. Um, you know, I, I think that's just a credit to uh, the attention to detail. I think that's a lot of just the, the little things. Um, you think about some of the, the coaches Ohio State had prior, and, and, you know, all of them great. But uh, I think Ryan Day, just because of his intricate understanding of how that position works um, and kind of where, where the, the trends are, are going, so to speak, uh, I think he's just a natural mentor for those types of guys. Um, you know, excited to see, you know, he'll have more than one season to work with Justin Fields to see how high, uh, his ceiling may be. But, um, again, I think it all comes down to coaching. And, uh, and of course, you got to also credit the guys individual, their, you know, their work ethic, their commitment to kind of uh, perfect their craft and really uh, push themselves to a higher level. That's the, of course, the other key intangible. But, um, great to see the, the, the incredible quarter produ- quarterback production we've had there in Columbus for the last few seasons. You spoke on Joe Burrow and the outstanding season that he's had, 48 passing touchdowns, a new SEC yep. record, uh, over 4,700 passing yards, a new SEC record. Are you? Is there a part of you that's a little bitter about what was taking place in in Baton Rouge that could have been happening here in, in Columbus? I mean, what's your thoughts with this season that Joe Burrow's had as a former Buckeye? Not, not at all, Corey. And, and of course, I think from from maybe an outside fan's perspective, I can understand the question. I think that'd be a natural question to ask. But I think really, you know, to sound cliche, it, you know, the old phrase, "Timing is everything." I mean, really, at the end of the day, I think that's how that all worked out here with this Joe Burrow situation. Um, you know, it, he was actually the backup to JT Barrett um, a couple years ago. And then, of course, during the uh, uh, prior to the start of the 2018 season, um, or prior, excuse me, that was the year prior, um, Joe Burrow broke his hand in the scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And it was during that time then when he was out of commission for a few months, that's when Dwayne Haskins had his opportunity to move up the depth chart. And uh, by all accounts, he, he earned that right. Uh, there was certainly a fierce quarterback competition going prior into the 2018 season between Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins. Um, and from everything everything I've read in all accounts, uh, Dwayne Haskins just won today. And you can't really complain about that decision that was made ultimately when Dwayne Haskins went on to set the all-time, not just the Ohio State single-season passing mark for both total yardage and touchdowns, but the all-time Big Ten mark. So it's hard to say that the Buckeyes <laughs> made a mistake in that scenario. I still think just Joe Burrow was a year away. Yeah. I mean, if you look at his stats last year, he was very much middle of the road in FBS, uh, just in terms of total quarterback rating, where, whereas, of course, Dwayne Haskins was a Heisman contender. So I think really what it came down to is Joe Burrow needed another year to develop and I think he felt at the time, not knowing that Dwayne Haskins was going to come out early for the NFL draft, once he lost that battle, I think his mind was set that I've got to go somewhere else to get that opportunity to play. Um, and so I think really this was a situation where 
it worked out best for all sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the Buckeyes, uh, they, uh, myself and everyone, very happy for Joe Burrow yesterday when he won the Heisman. Certainly very deserving of the award, I think. And so um, I think ultimately it was just a case of, of timing. The timing didn't work for Joe Burrow to kind of uh, take his game to the next level in Columbus. He needed to go somewhere else. I think getting the chance to play last year at LSU, he would not have had that opportunity in Columbus. That really set the stage for this year. And, of course, if you're an Ohio State fan, I mean, we still had a quarterback who threw for 40 touchdowns and just one interception. So I do think it just worked out for everybody at the end of the day. I think Joe Burrow was very gracious in his remarks last night. Uh, just, you know, contemplating about his time at Ohio State. Uh, he'll always be a Buckeye to me, even though he won the Heisman of LSU. I mean, he did graduate from Columbus. So um, great to see it kind of worked out for everybody. Now, Nick, we have Clemson, Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. The last two, the last time these two teams met was the 2017 Fiesta Bowl, where Clemson shut out the Buckeyes 31 to nothing. Does that loss yep. still have a lingering, uh, nasty taste in your mouth? Well, absolutely. But before we get to that, I mean, how about just this playoff field this year? I mean, this is, I think, easily when you look at the uh, the group of four here uh, in this year's playoff, it's easily, I think, the best final four we've had since the playoffs started six years ago. Uh, I think, I mean, Ohio State and LSU are both having historic seasons, and I think if either of them go on to win the national championship, I think they certainly have a claim uh, to be one of the greatest teams of all time. Clemson, they may not have the resume, but you think they've now won more than two dozen straight, and if they end up beating Ohio State and LSU, I think they can a claim as well as the greatest ever. So I think just from a, a fan's perspective, uh, this is going to be a heck of a playoff. Um, you know, Ohio State, if you look at, you know, there's different metrics and rating systems out there. One of the ones I keep an eye on is, is, is the Sagarin ratings. And right now, Ohio State, uh, if you if you have a rating above 100, that's considered a very outstanding season. Uh, both Clemson and Alabama were able to do that last year. But now you've got Ohio State, Clemson, and LSU all above uh, 100 in the Sagarin. Ohio State's at 106. And just for a little bit of perspective, the only team right now in the playoff slash BCS era who's ahead of that rating is the 2005 Texas team uh, by Vince Young. And then just below Ohio State is the 2001 Miami Hurricane team. Um, so we're talking about those two squads, some of the greatest ever in college football. Uh, if you believe those metrics in Ohio State, if they can take care of business, they're on track to be right up there in that group. But, of course, if Clemson and LSU, again, as I said earlier, they went out, I think based on where they are in that rating system as well, they can make that claim. Um, so I'm just excited to kind of watch these great teams battle it out. Uh, but to get back to your original question, I think absolutely uh, that's a motivating factor. Most of the players from that game, because it was three years ago, have moved on from both sides. Mm-hmm. I think you may still have a handful of guys um, you know, from both teams that are still left. But I think if you think about it, I mean, that was the last time Ohio State uh, was in the playoffs. And so even though most of the guys on the team now weren't there, um, you know, they've had to deal with a fair perception of, you know, Ohio State, the Big Ten not showing up when it mattered, even though they did win the national championship two years before that. But as you know, uh, perception is everything. And that last impression of Ohio State, well, certainly was not good. Um, I think – it's funny, too, kind of the other factor. Through much of the regular season, you know, we heard a lot of commentary about Ohio State being the most complete team, and I still think they are. 
Um, just the way they dominated all their games in the margin of victory. And I think it's, you know, we're all prisoners of the moment. They had kind of one rough half in their last game against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. I think combining that with LSU's, you know, outstanding performance in the SEC Championship game and in Clemson finishing the season on a very strong run, you know, Ohio State being an underdog in this game, even though it's only by about two points, uh, it seems kind of like a contradiction based on what, you know, the narrative throughout the entire season. But I think that's just going to be another motivating factor for the Buckeyes, um, you know, being viewed as a, even as a slight underdog. Um, I think they're kind of going to use that as a motivation. Uh, certainly Dabo Sweeney, his advantage with Clemson. But it's really hard, to, to be honest, Corey, to, to call really either of these teams an underdog. I think they're going to evenly matched. I think it's going to be strength on strength just in terms of strong running games, strong aerial attacks, and, of course, two very stout defenses. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be uh, a real barn burner, and, and we'll see – uh, kind of how it all shakes out, but very much looking forward to that game uh, coming up here uh, in December. Now, Nick, before I let you go, man, uh, December 28th, Fiesta Bowl, Clemson, Ohio State. Who wins that game, and what's your final score? Yep, I, I, I thought about this. Um, I, I thought Ohio State's, uh, without question, their stiffest test of the season. Uh, again, strength <clears throat> on strength. I think um, for the Buckeyes, I think really – Two keys I see. I think number one, I think their offensive line um, has the ability uh, to open up some holes for J.K. Dobbins. Certainly Clemson's got a lot of great players in that 11 uh, on the defensive side. Um, great linebacking core, of course. But I really think Ohio State does have an advantage up front on the line. Uh, I think if they can do that, if they can get J.K. Dobbins rolling, uh, get him some uh, some opportunities early, force Clemson to kind of stack the box and get more attention on there. I think that then opens up the aerial game. Uh, you've got a great set of receivers with K.J. Hill, uh, Chris Olave, Ben Victor and company. Uh, I think that combined with Justin Fields, he'll have a few weeks to have rest. I think he should be at full strength. I think his ability to make plays with his legs is a real difference maker because both of these teams, if you look at it personnel-wise, you know, five stars and four stars all over the field, I think they're very evenly matched. But I think Ohio State's ability to run the ball uh, on offense, I think on defense, I think they also have an advantage up front on the line. Of course, everybody talks about Chase Young, fantastic season. But you got to remember, he's only accounted for 16 of the 53 sacks <laughs> Ohio State's have. They lead the country in sacks. And I think that defensive line, uh, they've heard all about Chase Young. But I think they kind of want to get a little bit of more. Uh, credibility and limelight for themselves as well. So I think that's going to be another motivating factor. I think at the end of the day, when you add up all those intangibles, I think it's a close game. I think Ohio State gets a late score to pull away, and I'm going to say, Corey, 34-24 Buckeyes. But I do expect it to be a close battle throughout. Nick, I appreciate you swinging by the sweet spot, man. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us on the show, and good luck to your Buckeyes. Absolutely, Corey. Happy to help uh, anytime. Go Bucks. So that was Nick Banizak sharing his thoughts on the upcoming Fiesta Bowl for his Ohio State Buckeyes. Now you're going to hear from a Clemson graduate who currently lives in Dothan, Alabama, but he's a native of Columbia, Missouri, Heath Thompson. This is what Heath had to say about his Clemson Tigers as they prepare for this big game matchup. Heath, thank you for joining us on The Sweet Spot. I'm glad to have you on the show today, man. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. So, Heath, uh, talk about... 
what's it like being a Clemson Tiger fan living in the state of Alabama when your Tigers have beaten the Crimson Tide twice in the national championship? Well, it's a lot easier than it was a couple of years ago. Uh, I can tell you that. But um, no, um, it's a, it's a challenge. You know, you're you're surrounded and it can be a little lonely. But you know, really and truly, the thing about Alabama, though, I will say is everybody appreciates quality college football. So whether it's Alabama fans or Auburn fans, um, even though they go up against us, we all root and uh, you know drink the Kool-Aid as much as possible for our own teams. I think everyone appreciates good football, and so it's 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 it hasn't been as hard as it would seem. There seems to be some mutual respect. So so you haven't had much of the other fan base giving you too much trouble when it comes to especially after Clemson beating them the way they did last year. You haven't had much of a uh, too much drama in that regard. No, really, I haven't. Um, you know, I guess it's easier when you when you win, right? Because yeah. uh, I'm not going to talk a lot of smack because we know those guys aren't going around in the, anytime soon. I mean, going away anytime soon. So you know, like uh, we've lost to them, you know, twice in the playoffs as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you know, I have found that you know uh, there's not a lot of smack talk back and forth. Now, I think it is much harder for like the kids in school. My kids will go to school; they'll have a Clemson shirt on. And the other kids will just look like look at them like they're some sort of space alien, right? You know, they were like, I remember when my oldest first went to school, all the other kids would ask him first question when he first started going to school is, "Are you Alabama or are you Auburn?" Mm-hmm. And he would say, "I'm Clemson," <laughs> and they would all be like, "Now this has been a few years." They'd be like, "Who is that?" Well, the only difference is now those same kids that you know they know they know now who Clemson is. So that's a little more fun for us, I guess, probably than it used to be. Now, speak on um, you talking about the kids not really knowing who Clemson was a few years ago. We all know who Clemson is now as they're a college football powerhouse every single year. Speak on Davo Swinney and his stance as he has continued to build that reputation that, hey, Clemson Tigers, we're one of the best every single year and we're not going anywhere. Yeah, he's been a blessing. I mean, he truly exemplifies everything you want in a head coach and in a representative of your university. He's not only a great football coach and, and great teacher and great representative, but he's just a great guy. You know, the kind of example he sets, the standards he holds his players to. Um, I think a lot of us, when he took the job, were frankly skeptical. It's like this wide receivers coach that had this funny name that had never really done a whole lot, you know, came from Alabama, but didn't have a big resume. And I mean, he just slowly, but surely put his head down, started to build something. And, um, you know, started picking off one believer at a time to the point where, you know, after almost a decade, I don't think there's anyone who would argue associated with Clemson that he's he's the greatest football coach in the history of the university, the best representative we've ever had. And frankly, really one of the best things that's happened uh, to our school ever because of how it's changed the profile, the exposure and everything that's meant from academics to um to, 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 to much, much more. So he, he's, I mean, literally could not say enough things great about him, could go on forever, and I think most Clemson fans feel that way. Now, around this time last year, Trevor Lawrence was the talk of the college football world. Do you feel he's being overlooked by the other three playoff quarterbacks who are all Heisman Trophy finalists? Yeah, and we actually love that. Um, hopefully people continue to doubt him and to continue to overlook him because I don't think you're going to find many people – there may be some, some, some that live in Louisiana and 
maybe here in Alabama with Tua, but there's not many quarterbacks you'd, you'd, you'd prefer to have over that guy. That guy can make any throw. He's super smart. He works his tail off. He's, he's already done it at the highest level, taking home a championship. And, you know, those doubts, I think, um, I don't think they do anything but help him. So, like, you know, as a Clemson fan, we see that stuff. I know Dabo feels that way. It's like, bring it on. You know, like, I don't know whether they think they're hurting us or helping us, but it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of um, – it kind of fuels those guys. And, and if you look at Dabo and you look at Clemson, we've always had our greatest success as in the role of underdogs. And so um, I don't think Trevor's changed a bit. He's still – amazing quarterback if you actually watch the games i think he's like um uh, got 28 touchdowns or something like that in his last you know um eight or nine games to one or two interceptions i mean he's on fire right now so we'll take our chances with trevor i'll say i'll put it that way yeah you're definitely in good hands with trevor lawrence as your starting quarterback as we know he had 30 touchdowns and four interceptions last year with splitting the first four games with kelly bryant when he was a starter and then this year trevor lawrence has 34 touchdowns total with only eight interceptions i had someone talk about he's thrown more interceptions than last year but it's only eight interceptions like we're not you know it's 34 to eight like that's pretty good um touchdown interception ratio you're looking at you know like a four to one touchdown ratio so it's pretty good when it comes to trevor lawrence's play this year now speaking of this offense when people hear the word clemson they they think about the offense they think about trevor lawrence and etienne and uh you know you have rogers and and uh you know justin ross, ross and some of these yeah, guys higgins. man t higgins yes so they think about the offense but in the 2019 nfl draft they had five defensive starters who were selected in that draft with cleveland farrell christian wilkins dexter lawrence trayvon mullen and austin bryant this this year's Clemson defense is ranked number one in scoring defense. So talk about how good that defense actually is. That doesn't get much praise because of the offense. Yeah, no, I I'll actually say as somebody who's a huge Clemson fan and loves our defensive coordinator Brent Venables, who I think is you know borderline genius when it comes to to calling up plays and schemes and coming up with ways to attack. I've been surprised. I think most Clemson fans have been surprised because the guys that left were generational talents and leaders and just, just amazing players. But what he has done is he has, he has basically taken the weaknesses and strengths of the team and adjusted his game plans accordingly to play to our strengths and to use those strengths in a variety of ways uh, to expose opponents. And so Last year, we ran 4D linemen almost every every play, even in known passing situations, because of the, the quality of the D linemen. If you watch Clemson games this year, there's a lot of nickel and dime packages with extra defensive backs. And importantly, the one guy that, they, that we move around, who's, I think, projected a first-round draft choice this year, Isaiah Simmons, he's a guy who will line up at, at all the linebacker spots, even at defensive end, at safety and a corner. He literally plays, can be can put at any spot on the field. And so what Venables has done in game planning, and I expect you will see against Ohio State uh, coming up in the playoffs, is the quarterback has no idea when he's looking at that guy, whether he's looking at a defensive end or, or a DB. And they will move him around, and sometimes he will literally come from a DB spot and pl- basically p- play a DE responsibility 
And sometimes it's the other way around. And so the thing that they have done this year is they have a really good back seven, really good. And, it, you know, there's a couple couple weaknesses, but really, really good overall. And he has put those guys in a position to dictate to the offenses in a way that very few of the offenses we've played against have ever seen. And I would frankly be surprised if Venables doesn't come up with something totally different uh, for the playoff game as well in terms of giving different looks, bringing blitzes from different areas and you know, the numbers he's dropping and who he's dropping and where. I mean, so they've done it not just by kind of lining up and beating you at the line of attack. We still do that. We got a good D line. They're young. They're good. They're not great. But the setback seven is really good, particularly two or three of those guys. And he is putting them in a position where they're the playmakers. And it, he's putting the offenses in a position where they don't really know what's coming. And that, and that is why – you know, um, they've had the success they've had this year. Now, Clemson is fourth in scoring offense. Ohio State is third in scoring defense. Clemson is first in scoring defense, while Ohio State is first in scoring offense. Talk about this upcoming Fiesta Bowl, man. What's your thoughts going into the game, and who do you have winning? Well, um, you know, I'm always going to take Clemson. Uh, sometimes it's because of the brain. Sometimes it's because of the heart. Um <laughs> Hopefully both, but you know, this is you know they're 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 the best team we've played all year. It's it's you know not a like a giant secret that our schedule wasn't the strongest in the history of the world this year. Just just the nature of it. Even though we scheduled two SEC teams, kind of everybody that we drew on the lot this year kind of had an off year. So we've not seen a team as good as Ohio State. Um, I will also say that I don't think they've seen a team as good as us. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a battle. Uh, I think it'll come down to kind of some key matchups, you know, like uh, Chase Young and and our left tackle, a young freshman named Jackson Carmen. That's going to be big. Uh, he's probably going to get a little help there, but but that's going to be big. And then, you know, their corners against our receivers and our um, and and on, 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 on our, when we have the ball and when they have the ball, I think you know it's going to be really interesting to see what Isaiah Simmons does. Is he is he on the back? You know, or is or is he on the on the quarterback? Like, who is he? Dobbins, or you know, is it Fields? I, I don't know. And are they going to mix it up? And are they going to be bringing pressure? Like, I know, um, I, I feel like basically if Clemson can have some success stopping the run, that the looks that Fields is going to get are going to be more diverse than anything he's ever seen. And I think that is a recipe for success. Whether we're able to do that, you know, we'll see. I think they've got a they've got a good front, and uh, and that'll be a I think it'll be a good game. I do. I think it'll be a good game. Um, but I, but I like our chances just because we've been there before. Um, got a lot of experienced guys out there played on that stage. The coaches kind of know the the deal. Some of the things that worked against us the first couple times we went to the playoffs against Alabama actually kind of worked to our advantage this time. So I expect a really good game. We have a lot of respect for that team, and hopefully um, uh, we get we get we get a few good bounces of the ball in the turnover margin and move on. Now, Heath, before I let you go, give me a final score in the game. Shoot, I'm I'm terrible at that, but uh, <laughs> I'll go um, Clemson uh, 31, Ohio State uh, 23. All right, 31-23. You heard it here from Heath Thompson, man. I truly appreciate you swinging by the sweet spot, and you know, good luck to your Clemson Tigers in the Fiesta Bowl. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. So this, like I mentioned before, this is one of those games where it's just a – coin toss, flip them, pick them type game. I have no idea who's going to win this game. 
Um, Clemson today, I'm Ohio State tomorrow. I just don't know what to think. Like These are two very good teams. Ohio State has had a very strong schedule. They beat Penn State. They beat Michigan. They beat Wisconsin twice. I mean, they've beaten everybody that they've played, obviously, but just the teams that they've had to go against, it's, it's been impressive. It really has. So Clemson, we all know that they're talking about their lack of strength of schedule, but they've beaten everybody they've played as well. I mean, they, they've only allowed a team to score 20 points in a game one time. And that was that 21-20 victory over North Carolina. So that says a lot about what Clemson has done, even though their schedule may not have been as strong as other teams, especially in the playoff. But they've handled their business when they've had those games. So this is one of those those matchups where, like I said, you can you can make a a true case for either team why that team will win this game, and you'll get people to agree to both. So. With Ohio State, you know, we have Justin Fields who scored 40 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing, only one interception. The transfer from Georgia, who Georgia let get away, I'm sure they'll probably regretting it now as their backup quarterback is in the playoff and they're sitting at home watching him doing his thing in the playoff. So Justin Fields, we mentioned, yeah, J.K. Dobbins, who I believe has – 20 touchdowns. I mean, this guy's been amazing at the running back position. K.J. Hill, you have Chris Olave, Benjamin Victor. Ohio State, they're a powerhouse. Every single year, you know they're going to bring uh, just an offense that's going to be amazing. Defensively, they put NFL starters, first-round picks all through the league every single year when it comes to the draft. This year, it's Chase Young, who set a new school record with his 16-and-a-half sacks, breaking Vernon Golston's record back in 2007 when he recorded 14 sacks before his career with the New York Jets. And like I said, didn't kind of go as well as I mentioned in my previous show, but it did lead to him being selected sixth by the New York Jets. So Ohio State has talent every single year. It's nothing new. Uh, but Clemson, this is Clemson. This is the Tigers who Dabo Swinney has built Clemson into that perennial top five team every single year. Like I've mentioned, they've been in the playoff five of the last six years. They have two national titles, both coming against Alabama. And, you know, last year we've seen Clemson at its best. And uh, it was impressive the, the way they handled Tua and Damian Harris and uh, Josh Jacobs and just that Alabama team, Irv Smith. I mean, we all know how great Nick Saban and his teams have been since he's taken over in Tuscaloosa, and Clemson just flat out embarrassed him last year. So this is Clemson with Trevor Lawrence as their quarterback. He has four, 34 touchdowns, eight interceptions. T. Higgins, Amari Rogers, Justin Ross, Etienne with his 18 touchdowns. I mean, this is a very explosive offense, but this defense, as I mentioned in my interview with Heath Thompson, they're number one in scoring defense as well. Like I mentioned, they've only allowed 20 points in one game. So every other game, teams have scored less than 20. So uh, this is, like I said, this is going to be a game that's going to be exciting. I think it's going to come down to the wire. I have Clemson winning 31-27. to I was picking Ohio State every day until it was a key word that Heath Thompson mentioned in the interview, and it was Brent Venables. And it took me back to last year's drubbing that Clemson beat Alabama 44-16. to And I thought about the different alignments that Venables had his defense come out in and confusing to a pre-snap and everything. And it just 
uh, you know, that that it was just a game where Tua just wasn't himself. And I think a lot of it had to do with that Clemson talent, but also the coverages that Brent Venables showed time and time again in that game. So Heath, you you swayed my decision when you talked about Brent Venables. And that to me in this type of game, I think Venables could be a difference maker as he tries to confuse Justin Fields the same way he did Tua Tungavaloa. We'll see how it plays out, but nonetheless, I'm not expecting that 31-0 shutout that Clemson delivered a couple years ago. I'm expecting this to be a very tight matchup that could come down to the waning seconds of the game. Now, when we return, we're going to close the show with today's Triple C. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Joy FM Sports. It's more than a game. Welcome back to the sweet spot. It's time for Triple C, Corey's closing comments. And today, this is what I want to share with you. Sow good seeds, address your needs, complete honest deeds. Because if you don't, your life is about selfish greeds. So we have to make sure the things we do is making a difference in the lives of others. You sow good seeds through your words. You can complete honest deeds by the things that you do for others. But you also have to address your needs. Take care of your business. Prioritize those things in your life, those things that matter most. Because if you do anything against those three that I mentioned, sow good seeds, address your needs, and complete honest deeds, then your life becomes about greeds. And we don't want to live a life of greed. We want to live a life of love and share those talents that God has given us to be a blessing to other people. So live a life of sowing good seeds, address your needs, and complete honest deeds. And always remember, there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot. Stay in the sweet spot for the Joy FM Sports Facebook page. This has been a presentation of the Joy FM Sports. It's more than a game.